Rob Cartledge of robcartledgeministries.com. Titus 2.1 says, You must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. Multitudes of professed Christians around the globe are perplexed when it comes to doctrine and clearly articulating their faith. Because of this lack of understanding, many Christians are believing the most absurd and heretical beliefs. And due to this, we have seen an incredible increase of cultish views even inside of mainstream churches. This series, Critical Doctrine, is to confront this dilemma with clear and precise teaching on the basic foundational doctrines of our faith. There's still one sermon left in Christology, but I didn't feel led to do it today. I thought I'd give an introduction to um, eschatology, which is going to be a fascinating subject, and I think it's really important that we study it because it's a pressing issue at the moment, simply because we're seeing a lot of it taking place before our eyes on nightly news, you know, and, and around the world. Mm-hmm. And so we really got to study this subject and get it clear in our minds what's going to be taking place. So uh, that's why I thought I'd make an introduction to it today. So just before we begin, let's pray. <laughs> Lord, I just uh, ask you to bless this sermon now, bless the message that uh, comes out of my mouth. May it be of you. May the Holy Spirit speak through me mm-hmm. and guide and direct me by the power of God so that the words that come out of my mouth will be in line with the truth, yes. uh, the truth of the, the prophecy as stated in Scripture, that I will not twist it or try to bend it into fit some scenario that I've got in my mind, but that my scenario will be built around what the Bible actually has to say. Mm-hmm. So uh, help me to be do this justice. Help me to do the uh, Bible justice today as I launch into this sermon and uh, pray that all of us will receive it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 If we turn in our Bibles to Mark 13, I thought just to start we might look right into this scripture, but I might actually, as you're finding it, just go to Mark 13. The Bible is unique. Who knows the Bible's unique? Why is the Bible unique compared to other books? It's God-breathed, but there's other books that claim to be God-breathed as well. Exactly. The prophetic nature of the Bible is unique. It is approximately 30% prophecy, approximately, give or take. Quite a bit of it is already fulfilled. A lot of the prophecy in the Bible is fulfilled already, with much of it to be fulfilled in days to come also, yet some of it is being fulfilled as we speak. John's been pointing some stuff out to me about uh, prophecies that are taking place right now and the fulfilment of them. When we look at the world events through the lens of of Scripture, we are living in very exciting days, extremely exciting days, days that couldn't have been lived in any other time in history except now because we are seeing it taking place before our eyes. No other holy book on earth can make this boast. That's been fulfilled, that is being fulfilled and is to be fulfilled. No other holy book has that quality to it the quran the prophecy they're speaking about is the coming of their messiah and their messiah is going to come on a white horse he's going to reign for seven years he's going to make peace on on earth bring peace but he's going to destroy the the jews and the christians (laughs) now who does that sound like seven year reign according to the bible that's the antichrist so their their messiah is the antichrist according to scripture It's interesting. Anyway, there are over 300 prophecies predicting the first coming of the Messiah. I'm I'm sure we all know that. Over 300 prophecies that predict the first coming of Jesus, and all of them were fulfilled in the person of Jesus. 
All of those 300, over 300 were fulfilled in Jesus. He's the only man who ever had his whole life written about before he lived it. There's no other man on earth who had his life planned out from start to finish, where he was going to be born, what he was going to do as a child, what he was going to, all these things, and how he was going to die in the end, and the sort of thing person he was going to be. No other man on earth has ever had his whole life written, that, written out about. Hundreds of years. Hundreds of years, over, at least over 400. At least 400 years before. Because Malachi was the last book and, and the Septuagint translation was translated about 330 years prior. And that means that, that the, the canon of, of the Old Testament was established at least 330 years prior to the coming of Christ. And he fulfilled every detail fulfilled. That's amazing. No other book has that boast. It's amazing stuff. For this introduction to eschatology, I'll give you a broad overview of the levels of the prophetic accuracy that the Bible reveals. This is what I want to sort of go into today and sort of skim over the accuracy of Scripture so that we can get an appreciation for how that accuracy authenticates what we believe in. That makes us sure that we have a book that is God-inspired. It's not like Nostradamus that you can read it, read all these different things into it to try to make it fit. It's not like that. It's clear. It's very, very clear. Uh, eschatology is the study of end times. That's what it's all about. It is the study of prophecy related to end times. And it's an important topic. I believe that eschatology is that part of theology that when studied with a sober mind, because there's a lot of people that study it, with a, without being sober in, in spirit, what I mean by not necessarily drunk, but just with a few screws loose, and uh, they get it all wrong and, and their whole life is affected by the study of Revelation. And we've, we've seen a lot of cults that have, uh, have come about through the study of eschatology. But we've got to study it with, with an eye on truth and with a sober mind. And if we do that, we can, we can really balance out as Christians. We, we get a real sense of who we are in relation to world events. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, uh, and how we are put here for a purpose. We're not put here just to randomly live for a while and then pass away. But we have a purpose on earth and it's a grand purpose. It's the, Jesus called it the Great Commission or the Commission. He commissioned us to do a certain thing and we have to achieve it. And when we look at world events around us and realise, hey, the time's getting close, it puts a little bit of pressure on us and gives us an urgency in our spirit to fulfil the Great Commission that was given to us. So it gives us, it balances us out as Christians and it gives us great insight into the body of Christ uh, and gives us a reverent fear of God also, knowing that Jesus is ultimately in control, God is in control. And because he's in control, we've got to fear him because he is awesome. You know, he is an awesome, awesome God. And why do we fear him? The Bible tells us that fear him who can send, throw both body and soul into hell. Fear him who can destroy us. So you've got to fear, if you meet someone who you know could just grab you in his hand and break you, he's that strong, you'd meet that person, you'd have a bit of a reverent fear towards him. It'd be like, how are you going, sir? Nice to meet you. Yes, can I do anything for you? I'm your servant. Let me serve you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You would have a bit of a fear towards him, and that's how we got to, when we approach God, he's much greater than any, any person in the universe. So we've got to have a reverent fear. doesn't mean we can't love him. I had a reverent fear of my dad because I knew if I got out of line, you know, he gave pretty hard smacks. 
I had a reverent fear of him, but I still loved him. I still could sit on his lap each night, give him a kiss, say goodnight, Dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. I still loved him. doesn't mean you can't love him just because you fear him. And I think that's where a lot of people in the world have really got this whole thing of fear mixed up. They think if you fear, you can't love. And you only worship him because you're scared of him. It's not like that at all. Actually, you know what? The truth of the matter is if you're scared of someone, you don't worship them, do you? If you're scared, you run the other direction. But if you fear God out of reverent respect for who he is, you love him, you honour him, you give him glory that's due to him for who he is as the creator of the universe and holds everything that is in the palm of his hand and he holds our life in the palm of his hand. We've got to reverently respect and fear and honour that God. Yeah? All right, now let's read that scripture that we opened up before. That was uh, Mark 13. I'm going to start from verse 3. Okay? And it says this, As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives... Opposite the temple, Peter, James, John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? What is going to be the sign that they're all about to be fulfilled? So then Jesus sets about telling us the signs of when they're all about to be fulfilled. That means all these scriptures that are unfulfilled, the moment that they're just about to be fulfilled completely. And he said this, Watch out that no one deceives you. That's an interesting way to start. Watch out that no one deceives you. Because there's going to be deceivers. They're going to come along. And are we living in an epidemic of deceivers? We are living in an age where just about every spiritual you know, guru in the world is preaching you know, love self, worship self. You know, they, don't, they don't teach us to love Jesus you know, and even in the church, we've got all these deceivers, like this emerging church that's come about. It's all, de- they're deceiving us. They're telling us, because it says here, I'll just read a bit further. It says, Jesus said, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name. They'll come saying, I believe in Jesus. Or they'll come saying, I am Jesus. One or the other. Whether they use Jesus' name in vain or whether they claim to be Jesus, they're going to come and that's going to be the person. And they're going to say, I am he. They're either going to say, I am Jesus, or that Jesus is who he is and will deceive many. So Jesus foresaw this day when there will be a great influx of deceivers out there that are teaching false doctrine, leading people away from the living Christ, leading people away from repentance, turning people's hearts from serving the living God to serving the self. When you hear of wars and rumours of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. So when we hear of wars and rumours of wars, during the 20th century, we had the, uh, the World War I and World War II, didn't we? We had two of the greatest wars that have ever taken place. Prior to that and also since that, have there been a lot of wars? Wars, this I think, I don't know, I can't remember this. I should have got the statistic on this. I think at any one time there's about 30 wars going on on our planet or something. We could check that out. Just check, double-check that for me. But if you look up the statistics, how many wars are taking place currently around the world? There's spot fires everywhere. So there's going to be wars and rumours of wars. But do not be alarmed. So he's, he's encouraging the Christians, don't be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. That's why the 20th century was, had more wars than any other century, yet the end is still to come. 
nation will rise against nation and kingdom will rise against kingdom. We're seeing that all the time. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of the birth pains. In the first uh, decade of the 20th century, the first decade between uh, 1900 and 1910, they had earthquakes, but they were very infrequent. And the, on the Richter scale, they were very low on the Richter scale. But with each consequent decade, the intensity of the earthquakes increased and also the frequency of the earthquakes increased. And if you consider that like birth pains from giving birth, I remember with Vena each time you got the contraction, it was like a stabbing in the stomach, like a real hard hit, and then there was quite a gap until the next one. And that that gap would measure for the midwife would say, well, the baby's still a little way away yet. But as the frequencies and the intensities get closer and closer and closer, we know that the baby's right at the door. You know what I mean? (laughs) But that's what happened. It would get faster and faster and faster and more frequent and more intense, and then we know the baby's about to come. Now, if we use this as a guide, and he said, and he used the words, these are the beginning of the birth pains. As the frequency of earthquakes and wars and everything are quickening, as the um, uh, intensity of those things quicken, we know that Jesus is right at the door. Mm. Now there's earthquakes. You could, you could go around the world nearly daily. Mm. There'd be a tremor somewhere or an earthquake somewhere or a great earthquake or a tsunami or, or some sort of eruption. Remember that 2012 video that we sent about what is happening? 2012, what on earth is going on or whatever it was called? And it showed all the hot spots around the earth at any one time. It was like everywhere, every day. Terrible disasters taking place. So these are the beginning of the birth pains. But we know that as they speed up, that he is getting closer. So he's getting closer. And then he adds, you must be on your guard. You will be handed over to local councils and flogged in the synagogues. How many Christian churches are preparing their people in the West for that? How many churches are saying, just guys, you could be handed over to the local synagogues and flogged. You could be... Hurt for the name of Christ. Are we getting prepared for that? We have to get the mindset. You know, you've got to get the mindset. You will be handed over to local councils, flogged in the synagogues on account of me. You will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. You will witness to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. This gospel of the kingdom of God must be preached. There's another sign that will take place before the coming of Christ. We're still yet to see the pure gospel preached all over the earth. We're seeing fragmented gospel preached, a fragmented gospel preached all over the earth. A gospel that people have made a shambles of, if you want to look at it that way. But we're going to see a pure gospel and it's going to be led by pure, holy men and women of God that are going to be holy in the sight of God and they're going to do the gospel justice. They're going to be backed up with signs and wonders following their ministry and they will have such great authority that they will definitely be able to herald the coming of Christ through their preaching. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial... So whenever we are, if we are arrested and brought to trial, don't worry beforehand what you're about to say. 
Just say whatever is given you at the time, for it is not you speaking but the Holy Spirit. If we're ever in a situation that we're arrested for the gospel and we're going to be brought to trial, don't worry about it. Just pray. Just pray, God, help me, help me, help me, help me through this. Give me the words and the wisdom that none of my adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So you can step in there and just speak, and the Holy Spirit will just give you every word, and uh, they'll either release you or they'll gnash their teeth at you, one or the other. So when you see, and this is where it gets interesting, when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, the abomination that causes desolation, simply means when Satan himself, by maybe through the person of the Antichrist, stands in the most holy place in the temple in Jerusalem that is not yet built, but when he stands in the temple, he will announce himself to be God. That will be called the abomination that causes desolation. God will say, enough's enough, that's it. And when you see the abomination that causes desolation stand where it does not belong, let the reader understand this is, this is where it gets intense. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So everyone in Judea, get out. Go to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down and enter the house to take anything out. So if you're on the roof of your house for any reason whatsoever, don't go down. <laughs> don't know why I'd be on the roof, but could be cleaning the gutters or something. Sorry, Lord, for making fun. But um, we don't get on the roof of our house. In Israel, even today, their living area is up on the roof, isn't it? They sleep on top of the roof. Here we don't do that in in Australia. But anyway, um, so let no one on the roof of his house go down and enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. So if you're in the field or anywhere and there's stuff going on back where you live, forget it, go. Forget your cloak. Don't worry about your belongings. Just get out of there whenever this time takes place. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. And then it says, pray that this will not take place in the winter. Why? Because it's going to be cold. And if you're fleeing from these disasters in the winter, it's going to be cold. All right? And then people freeze to death. So just pray that it won't take place in the winter because these will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. It will never be equaled again, these days of distress. If the Lord had not cut short those days, no one would survive, meaning those days would be so terrible that if he didn't say enough's enough and come and and put a close to it by coming, his second coming, then the disaster that will take place would wipe out the entire human race. So there's going to be a remnant left alive when he comes. Uh, But for the sake of the elect, for the sake of those that believe and understand Scripture and understand world events and have got their heads screwed on, if you know what I mean, whom he has chosen, he has shortened those days. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. So be on your guard, I've told you everything ahead of time. He's warning us ahead of time for a purpose. Now, if anyone ever claims to you that Jesus has returned, you can just, without a shadow of a doubt, say, well, I didn't see lightning flash from east to the west and my Lord coming. I didn't see all the angels uh, because everyone would see his coming. It's not going to be a private or a secret event. You didn't hear the trumpets. We didn't hear any of those things, you know. And that goes the same with the secret rapture. You know, this secret rapture that they keep uh, going on about, the pre-tribulationists, 
There is no secret rapture in Scripture. I'd like them, I'm, I'm waiting for one person to come up with a Scripture that speaks of a secret rapture which takes place prior to the second coming. From my studying of the Scriptures, there is none. And I've never heard anyone who preaches it to actually come forth with one that talks of a secret rapture where Jesus secretly, without anyone knowing, takes someone away. Mm-hmm. So be on your guard against these things. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive even the elect. So now go down to verse 24. It says, but in those days following that distress. So when? In those days following. Say it with me. Following. Keep it in your head. Because it doesn't say in those days before that distress, does it? It says following that distress, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. That sounds just like Joel 2.28 if you read, if you cross-check that. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with power, with great power and glory. At that time, it, this is the best reference to the rapture there is. It's clear as day when Jesus is going to return and perform the rapture. So that scripture there is the clearest reference to the rapture in scripture. And because it's so clear, pre-tribbers look at that and go, hang on, it says here, at that time, these after these dreadful days, you will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory, and he'll send his angels, and his angels will gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. So the rapture is, is called the ingathering. When they gathered, and who's going to do the rapturing? Angels, angels will be sent to do it. There is a couple of references to it, and it's always the same. It's always post-trib. So what the pre-tribulation rapture is, because that's so clear in Scripture, they have to create a new doctrine and say there's a secret rapture that takes place where the church is raptured seven years or more prior to these things taking place. However, that's a deception because it's not in Scripture. That's a made-up man-made doctrine that wasn't around prior to 1830. So we must only accept what's in Scripture. If someone can come forth and say, hey, read this Scripture because it clearly references that the church is going to be lifted off prior to the tribulation, then I'll read it. If it says it, hey, I'm all for getting raptured before the tribulation. But I'm not going to deceive anyone if I don't see it in Scripture, if it's not there. Does that make sense? You know? I don't care what they say. There's this big argument going on pre-trib, post-trib, and if someone preaches post-trib, then the pre-trib church just about, you know, uh, calls them a heretic, you know. The point of the matter is it's not about all that. It's about, okay, prove your point from Scripture. If it's not there, we can't believe it. You know, I'm open to it. I'm open to the pre-trib as long as it's there. Yeah. Mm. That's a good bit of scripture isn't it that's um pure eschatology that's jesus setting it out thing by thing exactly what's going to take place but there's a lot of prophecy that's occurred and one of the most recent prophecies that were fulfilled and is probably the most dramatic and magnificent prophecies that has been fulfilled of late is the re-establishing of israel in 1948 you know, there's a prophecy that, that has come to pass. And uh, these are where Scripture talked about it. Like Ezekiel 37, verses 21 to 22, uh, 
spoke of Israel would be re-established as a nation. It spoke of that very clearly there. Jeremiah 16, 14 to 15 speaks of the second Israel would be more impressive than the first. Amos 9, 14 to 15 speaks of Jacob's descendants that they would regain control of Israel. Ezekiel 37, 10 to 14 speaks that Israel would be brought back to life. That was the uh, dry bones, the valley of dry bones. And also Isaiah 66, 7, 8 speaks of Israel being reborn in one day. And it was. It took one day. It just happened. Bang. That's amazing stuff. So that's one prophecy that's taken place in our lifetime, or not our lifetime, but, you know, the last century, that authenticates the word. And we're also living in days which the Bible described 2,000 years ago. And, he, and Paul did an incredible job of describing these days. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5. And he said, mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. So speaking of this time, these days, people will be lovers of themselves. Is there people that are lovers of themselves today? You know, motivational speakers today are always about, on about self-esteem, aren't they? And positive self-image. Do you know, they're always talking about self. And then the New Age cults are always on about self-worship. And uh, they even call themselves gods. They are gods unto themselves. So this has been fulfilled. We're seeing it you know, at an epidemic level where people worship themselves. They're going to be lovers of money. Are we living in the most materialistic age in history, especially in the West, in the richer nations? Everyone is on about money. It's the love of money is, is just taking a grip of everybody, has taken a grip of everybody. And uh, we're all materialistic. You know, We have to have every latest gadget and every last thing that's out there. We've got to have it. We're going to be lovers of money. Boastful. There's a lot of boastful people out there. They're proud. People that are proud. They're abusive. There's so many abusive people out there. I've just been having this discourse with this guy on YouTube, and he, he just he's a serial abuser, a serial cursor. He go, goes on YouTube videos, no matter what YouTube video, and he'll curse every single one, no matter what it's about, whether it's Christian or a movie or a band, or and he'll say something terrible. Abusive people. And then he wrote me a personal message and abused me like you wouldn't believe. Abusive. He fulfills prophecy. I should say that. You know you fulfill scripture. Disobedient to their parents. How many children today are disobedient to their parents? The amount of people I've sat down and talked with and they just say, you should hear how my daughter talks to me. She is so disrespectful. Yeah. Not in this church, though. No. <laughs> hey, your little one's going to be... Most perfect child. <laughs> this to be ungrateful. Who's ungrateful today? How many people are ungrateful? You do things for someone and they're just like, okay, yeah, I deserve that. People that, that you not appreciate, you do something for them and it's like they just take it and don't really care. To, you barely get a thank you out of them. You know, there's a lot of that going on. Ungrateful. Unholy. Are we living in the most unholy people among unholy people that actually pride themselves in being unholy? It's actually trendy to not be holy. And if you try to live a holy life, they look at you like there's something wrong with you. What are you, becoming a Christian nut now? A spiritual nut? Trying to be holy, doing good? What's that? You know, we're supposed to be debauched. We're supposed to be sick and do sick things. We're supposed to get drunk and be abusive and loud and obnoxious and... You know, it's like, it, it's like the culture breeds that in people today. Ungrateful, unholy, without love. There's a lot of people out there that just seem to lack 
any kind of love. They disrespect everybody. They don't seem to love anyone, not even their children. Unforgiving. So many people don't forgive out there. And we've got to check ourselves constantly. Do we forgive everyone that's ever hurt us? Slanderous. There's slanderers out there. They slander everybody. This is amazing. This was written 2,000 years ago. It's like described this time to a T. It's too perfect in the sense of what it's describing. And people will say, yeah, well, it was like that back then. Nowhere near to this level. Nowhere near to this level. We are living in an age where this is just, this is the culture. Past cultures didn't pride themselves on this stuff. This is the culture of this day. Slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, but lovers of evil. Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure, hedonists, rather than lovers of God. They love pleasure. Everybody loves pleasure. And they will put pleasure over God any day. And they have a form of godliness, which is like the new age. They have a form of godliness, but deny its power, uh, where the power comes from. And the source of that power is God, but they deny that. And they'll give the glory to themselves or some other demon that they'll call a god and uh, worship that. And the Bible tells us have nothing to do with these people because we're going to be heading into those days and we are in them right now foretold in scripture so scripture forewarns us of a coming world leader called the antichrist and that he will make war against the saints of god and conquer them revelation 13 7 that he's going to make war against the saints of god and he's going to conquer them if you read revelation 13 7 just to see that uh scripture revelation 13 16 18 said he forced he also forced everyone small and great rich and poor free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number, and his number is 666. Now, this is interesting because no other time in history could this scripture be fulfilled except now. There's never been the technology available that people would receive a mark, and if you don't have it, you can't buy or sell. And why do they call it man's number? Because this mark is also going to contain every little bit of information about that person as well. It's all going to be in there. It's going to be a, an information mark, which is man's number, a number of, his, of that person and everything about that person. The technology is called RFID, and it stands for Radio Frequency Identification. And the technology at technology.com, it explains that the RFID device serves the same purpose as a barcode or a magnetic strip on the back of a credit card or ATM card. It provides a unique identifier for that object. And just as a barcode or magnetic strip must be scanned to get the information, the RFID device must be scanned to retrieve the identifying information. It's like a, a barcode, but it's more advanced than a barcode. Every product you buy is, is going to have one. And it's even they've even got one for humans, that each human has them. And animals have been getting them for years. They've been getting these implants. Alex Jones said, soon RFID tags will be on everything from pharmaceuticals to clothing. The globalists are setting up a system so there is nowhere to hide. One day, every transaction you make will be identifiable. You'll always be on camera and Big Brother will know where you are and what you do. Everywhere you go, everything you look at, 
everything that you buy will be recorded. They'll have you completely under surveillance at all times. It'll be like you're living in a prison, but you're living in the world. You know. Now I'm just going to show you some videos just to back this up. This proves that something written 2,000 years ago about a mark of the beast that's going to be given to every man is coming to pass. And the funny thing about that scripture in Revelation 13, conspiracy theorists who aren't Christian use that little bit of scripture to give substance to their argument for you know, this technology. But they won't believe in Jesus, which is what the revelation was written about. Revelation of Jesus Christ, but they'll use that scripture to justify their view of what the globalists are trying to do. Now, I'm just going to show you a video. Do a YouTube search for the video "Creepy RFID Chip" commercial. So that's a video promoting the RFID chip as a very useful tool for people who don't remember their medications and if they've had a car accident that they can be identified and, and so on. So that, as in everything, there is a few positive things that you can get from using this technology, but there's more detrimental things that are going sinister. to take place. Sinister. There's a sinister thing behind it. They're going to promote it as the best thing ever, but uh, it's, it's certainly not. Now I'm going to show you one other video, and this is the way they're promoting it. Do a YouTube search for the video that's called, That's How We Will Shop Within a Couple of Years. So that just showed two aspects. That one is the convenience of it. Mm. You just have this chip in you, and you walk through a scanner, and all your shopping's scanned, and you're scanned, and you're gone, and you just grab the receipt, no more waiting in lines. The other thing is love lost. You know, if he had a chip, he would be able to go through with her, and they'd go out together. But because he's waiting in line, mm. you know, and he hasn't got a chip, you know, he missed out on love. Mm. So. Who got a phone number? Could have got a phone number. But anyway, but isn't that um, yeah. isn't that just the way that you know this is, it's being pushed mm. as this such a good thing, such a helpful thing, and everyone will so willingly go and stick their arm out and get the get the implant. But we've got to be aware that that's actually going to take place. The Bible speaks about it, and it also says anyone who takes the mark uh, basically have have accepted Satan as their Lord, and uh, they are condemned to hell. So don't take the mark, no matter what. Also, it says later that those that took the mark will break out with boils and, mm. you know, uh, they'll be in a terrible state of ill health because of it. Joshin will talk to a woman who has been studying the RFID chip for years now. And she said in the preliminary tests and all the early tests and stuff that people that took the, the chip were, were getting cancer and and all that sort of stuff like it was actually uh, yeah so it's been held up and by getting through um to be used on humans because of the amount of infectious things that have been taking place as a result of it prophecies to be fulfilled i believe we're living in times which jesus revealed in matthew 24 and mark 13 which would signal his soon return we're seeing these things taking place the events which we are waiting for which will signal his soon return but this it's not necessarily in this order I've just put them down, and uh, John helped me with this a bit. Uh, one is the arrival of the Antichrist. We're going to see the Antichrist arrive, and we'll know it's him because there's plenty of descriptions of the Antichrist. We'll do a sermon one day soon, which is going to be what he's going to look like, mm -hmm. what sort of a person he's going to be, the things that will give him away, if you know what I mean. And that's talked about in 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to 3, the arrival that... It says the day of the Lord will not take place until the Antichrist, or in, that, in the sense the man of lawlessness has been revealed, or the man of sin. Also the great apostasy. 
which is the falling away of believers of Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1-3 also says that he won't come until the great apostasy or the rebellion has taken place. And uh, that's also spoken of, he says, that the love of most will grow cold, brother will betray brother to death, things like that. The result of the Antichrist being revealed is Christians ratting on each other and giving up the faith. And there's going to be a terrible apostasy that's going to occur at that time. And I believe it's because of seeker-sensitive teaching that Christians that come to God because it sounds like a good thing to do, you're going to be blessed by you know, being a Christian. Uh, when they realize, hey, there's persecution involved here, they're going to give up the faith. Also, prosperity preaching, we're supposed to be millionaires. If we give, we're supposed to be have all this wealth and all this really good life, and we're not seeing it taking place, give up the faith. Uh, also, if we're supposed to be raptured before the Antichrist is revealed, which is distinctly in contrast to what the Bible tells us, that unless the man of lawlessness is revealed, the day of the Lord will not take place. If we're supposed to be gone like they're getting taught, and they're still here and they see the Antichrist and they, they're getting persecuted, they're going to give up the faith. They're going to think the whole lot is a big sham. Mm. And that's what's going to cause the great apostasy, the great falling away. Also, the mark of the beast is going to be introduced. As we see, the RFID chip is already invented, being tested, and it's being promoted on commercials around the world, on YouTube. It's all over YouTube. You can look into it. Um, they just take my word for it and look into it because it is there. Also, a covenant to be made with Israel is going to take place. That There's going to be a peace treaty signed with Israel, and the one who's going to sign that with Israel is going to be the Antichrist. So that's something to look at as well. And there's the scriptures, I say, 28, 15, uh, and verses 18 and 19. Also, Daniel 9, 27. And this peace treaty will be broken and will result in Jerusalem being surrounded by armies. That's in Luke 21, 20. And there's other scriptures that relates to that as well. Also, there's going to be the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, which is in Ezekiel 40 to 42. And in this, Ezekiel describes the architecture of the temple to be built. He goes into detail about what the temple is going to look like. Also, the abomination that causes desolation, which is when Satan will stand in that very temple and announce himself to be God, which is what I spoke about before. That's talked about in Matthew 24:15 and also 2 Thessalonians 2:4. Also, there's going to be the rebuilding of Babylon and then its final destruction. We're going to see Babylon rebuilt because it was never destroyed. The uh, city itself is going to be rebuilt again, and that's Revelation 14:8. The gospel is going to be preached to all nations, even by angels. That's in Matthew 24:14 and Revelation 14:6. We're also going to see the appearance of the two witnesses. The two witnesses are going to come along, as spoken of in Revelation 11. These are going to be two men. They're going to appear during the uh, tribulation, and they're going to preach the gospel to all nations. And they're going to have incredible power, incredible authority to do that. And no one will be able to touch them or harm them until their three and a half year ministry finishes and, and completes. And that is going to, I believe, the, their ministry will begin at the last three and a half years of the tribulation and will culminate at the end of the tribulation. I believe that's the timing of it. Also, there's going to be a rise of the Ten Nation Federation, as spoken about in Revelation the 17. Also, there's going to be a Magog invasion, which is spoken of in Ezekiel 38-39. We'll go into that at a later date. I'll, I'm going to go into all these things over time. Mm -hmm. Also, Assyria becoming a nation again, and Assyria and Egypt becoming a Christian nation, which is spoken of in Isaiah 19. That's something that John discovered, mm. and that's quite interesting. 
Johnny Cartledge <laughs> said, it is very interesting to see that many of these prophecies are in the pipeline. Such as, and this, these are current ones. Remember we said there's going to be this things taking place currently as we speak. Mm. Assyria becoming a nation. And currently Syria, where half the land of Assyria is located, Syria, where half of the land of Assyria is located in the country of, of Syria, mm -hmm. is, a very, has a, is having a very turbulent civil war, and who knows what divisions could occur. We could see Assyria reborn. Because half of Syria is the land of Assyria, as spoken of in the Bible. Uh, the second thing Johnny said was Egypt and Assyria becoming a Christian nation. Interestingly, the Assyrian side of this, to this prophecy might already be fulfilled. The Assyrian people, the surviving remnant, are a heavily persecuted Christian people. They are extremely strong Christians. They are that are spread throughout Syria, Iraq, Iran, Lebanon, and Turkey. The whole remnant of about three to four million are entirely Christian. Islam hasn't seeped in. And because of that, they have been the second most heavily persecuted people in the Middle East, besides the Jews. And although they are only a scattered people and no longer a nation, so we see them be becoming a nation, we could see them becoming a nation, as I say as prophecy indicates, so they could take their land back. And then all of those Syrians that are scattered throughout those countries will come back to their homeland, which is amazing. Sort of like uh, Israel coming mm. back to their homeland. And then there'll be a total Christian nation and fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. Also, Johnny continues, the rebuilding of Babylon, talked about by the UN. Now, I've found that one interesting, as I think most of us do. And I had a, did a little bit of research. There's more we can do on this. This was news that matters. This was a, a headline in the New York Times, and it says, Babylon awaits an Iraq without fighting. Babylon awaits an Iraq without fighting. That was the headline in the New York Times. And this uh, news that matters group wrote about this. It says, it is said that Saddam believed, Saddam Hussein believed himself to be something of a reincarnated King Nebuchadnezzar. The Iraqi dictator imitated the ancient ruler by having his name inscribed on the bricks used to rebuild the city, which is what uh, Nebuchadnezzar did when he built the city. He even went so far as to mint coins that emphasised the connection between himself and Nebuchadnezzar. Unfortunately, Saddam and his grand plans for the city of Babylon were interrupted by the US invasion of Iraq. However, despite Saddam's removal from power and subsequent execution, the work to rebuild Babylon has continued. Saddam had spent over $500 million to reconstruct the city. Mm. Now, anyway, today the UN Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization is pumping millions of dollars into Babylon and several other historical sites in Iraq. With the help of private donors, the UN is hoping to turn Babylon into a thriving center of tourism and commerce. And if everything goes according to plan, Babylon will be a cultural center complete with shopping malls, hotels, and even theme parks, etc. Sort of like a Dubai that's going to be built up. And there's more in that, but that's interesting, isn't it? The UN wanted that city to be rebuilt. Yeah. Also, there's a Magog invasion, and Magog is in scripture, we believe, is Russia. And uh, Russia is standing with Iran at the moment against Israel. You can look into that yourselves, just do some Googling. Also, a one-world government under the Federation of Ten Nations, the UN gaining complete control from the Club of Rome's Ten Regions of the World Plan. The Club of Rome has divided the, the world into ten regions, and that, that's something that there's quite a bit of 
speculation and stuff that's going on, but we really could see out of all of these powers this ten nation federation coming to forefront. So, there's also the scripture that tells us in 2 Peter 3, 3, 7. Now, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming? He promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has been since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed by water. Oh, out of water and by water. But by these waters also the word of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. We are heading towards this day that Peter's talking about here. And he said, in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They're scoffing. How many people have scoffed at you by saying something along the lines of, where's this Jesus? Where's this Jesus you guys keep talking about? You keep saying he's going to come. Where is he? Well, now we know we can say, well, you just have to see these things take place and then he'll be, and we're heading towards it. Everything in the Bible leads us to believe that he's not far away now. Mm. We don't know the date, but we know the times, you know, Mm. signs of the times. All right, so in conclusion, turn to Jesus with all your heart. Mm. That's the conclusion of the matter. There's going to be terrible days ahead. Turn to Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. Put your hope in Jesus. Rest in Jesus. Find that place of rest. Also, make sure that you've settled in your mind the matter of who you're going to stand with when it comes down to the crunch. Settle in your mind that if if worse comes to you know push comes to shove, worse comes to the worst case scenario, are you going to stand with Jesus or are you going to give up Jesus? But settle in your mind that no matter what happens, you're going to stand with Jesus. You know, life is fleeting. You know, everyone has to die some sooner or later, mm. and maybe some sooner than later. But the fact of the matter is, settle in your mind now that no matter what happens, when you face these terrible times, that you're going to stand with Jesus even if everything is against you. And there's no better place to stand. And he'll give you the strength to stand. He promised us that. He'll give us the strength to stand during these days. You know? He'll give you the strength to face the fear of death and face the fear of, you know, whatever we have to go through. He will give us the strength to endure. So that's a beautiful thing to know. The Bible is true. And everything prophesied in it is coming to pass and has come to pass. Everything that's in it is coming to pass prophetically. And we are seeing a whole range of things taking place right now, and it's exciting days, scary days, but exciting. They're coming to pass. So keep your eye on the news. Get to know eschatology. Get to know where we're sort of sitting at the moment. You know what I mean? And you get a pretty good idea of you know, how far away we are from the coming. Mm-hmm. You know, Or at least how far we are from the tribulation. Well, so Jesus solved this problem in advance. Just believe in him who died on the cross for your sins. This problem has been solved of, of who we are to put our hope in, who we are to trust in. We're to trust in him, the one who died and came to life again and reigns at the right hand of the Father. Trust in him in these days. Jesus said this in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way. He's a road we take. He's the truth. He's the embodiment of truth. Outside of Christ. There is no truth. Jesus is the meaning of everything. He created all that is. And it was created by him and for him and through him and for him. Mm. But remember that. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. 
and also I missed to say he is the life mm. you know if you believe in Jesus you will never die you might die from this physical life it's only a momentary change and it's just like you change it's like you walk straight through a door to die now is to walk straight through a door into Christ and to walk into life we step into the real life when we depart from this life the real life is the life to come Amen. 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 All right. Let's pray. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for this message, and I pray that it really helped us today and that you give us uh, the capacity to, to cope with everything that was spoken and uh, also that you'll give us a uh, clear picture in our mind of, of who we are in you and help us to understand how we are to live our life in you, how we are to uh, live by your will and according to your will. Help us to readjust our lives if we're focusing on the wrong things, if we're looking into the wrong things. But help us to align ourselves with the truth that's in the Word of God and live by the truth and live for the truth. And Lord Jesus, may you ever be before us and may you never leave us nor forsake us. And you promised you would never leave us nor forsake us and that you give us the capacity to endure everything that lay ahead. So empower your people now, empower us to win souls, empower us to speak to others about you and bring them into the kingdom. And uh, we just pray for your anointing and your blessing and your wisdom in the name of the blood of Jesus. Bless us this week, Lord, and watch over us uh, by your mighty hand. Amen. Amen.